0: We're going to put the scripture up on the screen from the book of Acts. We have been spending time in the New Testament in the book of Acts. And if you are not familiar with the book of Acts, it is referred to as the Acts of the Apostles. Apostle simply means one who has been sent out. In just a moment, when we close our time of gathered corporate worship, we will be sent out into the community the other six days of the week until we gather back together next Sunday. An apostle is sent out, and the book of Acts is a snapshot of those who were sent out from the church into the community to take the mission of Jesus into the places where they lived, where they worked, and where they played. But it could also appropriately be called the Acts of God's Holy Spirit, because it was God's Holy Spirit that empowered those who were sent out to do what he invited them to do. And when the people of God try to go out and do things in the name of Jesus and on behalf of Jesus, but do it in their own strength, we usually run out of gas, we usually get burnt out, and at some point it becomes drudgery or obligation. But when the people of God consistently go out in the power and the authority of the risen Jesus, God's spirit, it's life-giving. There's passion associated with it. And there's joy in knowing we have partnered with God in doing something eternally significant. If you gave me the choice between the two, I'm clearly going to say, I want to be sent out with the power and the authority of the Holy Spirit. And I'm going to make a huge assumption that you would as well. I don't want you to take my word for that reality. I want you to see where this is true in God's word. Would you stand with me in honor of Scripture, Acts chapter 11. And we will read verses 25 and 26 together. God's Word says, Then he, that's Barnabas, went to Tarsus to search for a man named Saul. And when he found Saul, he brought him to Antioch. And for a whole year they met with the church and taught large numbers. The disciples were first called Christians at Antioch. Then Barnabas went to Tarsus, which is in modern-day Turkey, to search for Saul, who would become Paul. And when he found him, he brought him back to Antioch. And for an entire year, they met with the church and discipled large numbers of believers. The disciples were first called Christians. Little Christ. In the city of Antioch. Let's pray together. Lord Jesus... We want to know that our lives matter. I want to know that the men and women in this room, part of this congregation, we want to know that what we're doing makes an eternal significance. We do not want to get to the end of our lives on our deathbed and wonder if we made a difference. So, Lord, as we pursue a meaningful and purposeful life, could you please, Lord, empower us to do it in the authority and the empowerment of the risen Jesus So that we will know it was significant. So that we will know it was purposeful. And so that our hearts would be filled with joy at partnering with you. And that large numbers of people would come to faith in Christ and be added to your church. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, there's two things about the life of Barnabas from these two verses that I want to point out together today. Before I point out the first one, I want to remind you that Antioch was a melting pot in culture. Antioch was a place where all backgrounds, all ethnicities, all religions came together. Antioch was a melting pot where people worshipped all kinds of things and believed all kinds of things. So as people came to faith in Jesus Christ... As they found Jesus, and they found purpose, and they found identity, and they found meaning and worth in a way that they did not know before Jesus, they began to not only follow Jesus individually, but the Lord brought them into the church at Antioch. He recreated the family and established a movement in Antioch where people were filled with joy and excitement about what God was doing in their own lives and what he was doing in their community. But so few of them really knew much about the person of Jesus. So few of them really knew a whole lot about the ways of God. And Barnabas knew that the new Christians in the city of Antioch would need to be discipled. Now what I mean by discipled is he knew when someone came to faith in Christ, they're going to need somebody to pour into them. How will they know how to trust Jesus when times get hard if they haven't seen someone else trust Jesus when times are hard? And isn't that what discipleship is about? Knowing Jesus and following him, and helping others understand what that looks like. Uh, the testimony of men and women that have followed Jesus for decades in their 70s and 80s provides those of us in our 30s and 40s something that you and I cannot buy or acquire on our own. A lifetime walking with Jesus is an incredible testimony to younger generations about the Lord's faithfulness when times are good and when times are lean and difficult. Barnabas knew people who were coming to faith in Christ, they may not know how to pray. They need to be taught how to pray. They may not know how to trust the promises of God, especially if they're persecuted for their faith. And for some of them, their families kicked them out of the house. You believe in Jesus? Are you kidding me? We've worshipped this God our whole lives. And now you say Jesus is the one? Get out of here. He knew that people would need to know, even when times are tough, you can trust the goodness of God. And so one of the things Barnabas did was he went to find someone who could help the people be discipled and matured in their faith in a way they currently We're not. Now, Barnabas had the spiritual gift of encouragement. We've seen this before. Earlier in the book of Acts, the first century, the the, the first church, the leaders in the church, they called him son of encouragement because he was an encourager. He was an encourager. He was an affirmer. He cheered loudly from the balcony of people's life about what God was up to. Barnabas was an encourager he's not known as a dynamic preacher communicator or the one that might need to provide the people what they needed at this moment in time so he goes to get one who can and I mentioned this last week this is one of the things I admire the most about Barnabas it might have been very tempting to say I'm the leader in this church and I kind of enjoy them looking to me for leadership you ever been in a leadership role and you kind of enjoy the influence and people looking to you for leadership I think that's why when we see people that are humble in their leadership and giving away leadership, investing in others, delegating to others, empowering others, it's so attractive and so refreshing because it happens so little in our lives. But Barnabas said these people need teaching, they need sound doctrine, they need systematic theology, like they need to understand the guts and the roots of Scripture so that they can stand confidently on the promises of God. And and you know what? The guy who's best suited for that is this guy named Saul. Saul, who was converted on the road to Damascus, whose name was changed to Paul. That's who they need. And he goes and he gets them. And he goes and he brings Paul back to the church. And so with complementary spiritual gifts, Barnabas being the encourager, Paul being the teacher and the preacher, complementing one another, they discipled the church for a whole year. This doesn't say for a focus study for four to six weeks. This doesn't say for just a couple of months. It says for an entire year they poured into the church and helped them understand what it meant to follow Jesus. For Paul, sure, that meant when the church was gathered, he preached. But it often meant when they weren't gathered in worship, the other six days of the week, they would huddle up in Bible study and in small group with one another and one-on-one, and they would talk about the things of God, and they would ask each other questions about how to follow God, and what does that look like? And Barnabas and Paul, with complementary spiritual gifts, discipled and poured into the church so that it could mature and be ready and positioned to do what God intended for them to do in Antioch and the surrounding geographic area and wherever he may scatter his people in the future. One of the most important things that we learn about Barnabas, but also Paul, is that they understood their spiritual gifts and they utilized those spiritual gifts. When you come to faith in Jesus Christ, you are given at least one spiritual gift, if not more. I want to put this passage of Scripture on the screen. It comes from 1 Corinthians chapter 12. It comes from 1 Corinthians chapter 12, and it's verses 4 through 7, and this is what it says. Now, there are different spiritual gifts, but there's only one Spirit. It's the same Spirit. There are different ministries, but there is only one same Lord. And there's different activities, but the same God produces each gift in each person. And a spiritual gift is a manifestation of God's Spirit in you, which is given to each person. So let's leave that passage on the screen for a moment. This is God's truth to us. It can be trusted even in 2018. This is time-tested true because God said it. What this means is when you come to faith in Jesus Christ, you are given by God's Spirit a spiritual gift. Some of you, like Barnabas, have the gift of encouragement. Some of you, like Barnabas, have the gift of encouragement, and you are always affirming and encouraging, and you're always positive. Conversely, some of you do not have the gift of encouragement. Some of you do not have the gift of encouragement. It just is what it is. I look around this room, and I think about the men and the women in this room who are gifted teachers, spiritual teachers, spiritual teachers, leaders. Some of you in this room, you have the gift of teaching. There are those with the gift of preaching. Some of you in this room, you have the spiritual gift of mercy. You are merciful. The verse that Matthew quoted, Psalm 116, 1, it talks about the mercy of God, being merciful to others. Our congregation has a lot of people that have the spiritual gift of mercy. You didn't summon it. You didn't ask for it. But you are merciful to others. And the only way it can be explained is that God is at work in you causing you to be merciful to others. Guess who needs mercy? Everybody. When men and women come into the church, come into a worship service, come into the church, who are broken, who are jaded about life, who are hurt and wounded, being merciful, being kind to others is hugely important for our church family. It could be spiritual leadership. It could be preaching. It could be teaching. It could be encouragement. It could be mercy. It could be exhortation. The list goes on and on and on about all of the multiple spiritual gifts. But God gives everybody a spiritual gift. And Barnabas and Paul knew what their spiritual gift was. They knew what they brought to the table, so to speak, and they were using it to advance the mission of God. Now, I used that expression last week. You need to know what you bring to the table. In just a few weeks, we will celebrate Thanksgiving in our nation. I love Thanksgiving. Sometimes I almost like Thanksgiving more than I do Christmas. That's anathema to those of you who love Christmas. There's no greater holiday. There's no greater time. And I love Jesus' birth, too. Don't judge me. But I love Thanksgiving. And one of the things I love about Thanksgiving is I love pumpkin pie. I absolutely love pumpkin pie. I know you can tell, but I love pumpkin pie, okay? And one of the things that in times past I have told Amy when we get together as families that I will provide and that she says, can you take care of this, is pumpkin pie. I got the pies. We got the pies. I know, I know the pies. I cannot cook a turkey. I cannot fry one. I'm the guy that will be on YouTube burning down his house. Like, I can't do that. I can't bring that to the table, but I can bring a pie to the table. You ever go to a party, and you look around, and people don't know where they fit in? I mean, you'll probably go to a party this week or sometime over the holidays, and, like, you're like, I, I don't know anybody here. I don't know what I bring. I don't know where I fit in. Like, there's nothing like knowing what you bring to the table and being like, I don't know anything else, but I got this pie. And as lame as that sounds, you know what I mean. Like, you know what you bring to the table. And it's like, look, I have brought pie. Here it is. You need to know spiritually what you bring to the table. If you do not know spiritually what you bring to the table to the feast of God's people, you're going to feel out of place. You're going to feel uncomfortable. You're going to lack confidence. Paul and Barnabas knew what they brought to the table. You need to know what you bring to the table. And when I'm talking about your spiritual gift, you need to know what spiritual gift you bring to this body because this body needs it, otherwise you wouldn't be here. And it's okay if we have multiple people with mercy, multiple people with teaching. Multiple, like It's okay, but we need what you got or else you wouldn't be here. Paul and Barnabas knew what their spiritual gift was and they were utilizing it. That's the first observation I want to point out to you. I'm going to put it on the screen. Like, if you have a journal out right now, you need to write this down. You can snap a picture of it with your phone. If you're not texting or scrolling on the Internet right now, like, totally stop and you can do this. No judgment. I mean, you ever done that in worship? Okay, here we go. So identifying and utilizing your spiritual gift is the first step to becoming a leader in the local church. It's the first step. Like, you need to know what you bring to the table. Let me tell you why this is important. If you don't know what you bring to the table... You will serve or plug in because someone asked you to or because the pastor said we have a need. And you'll do it because you love Jesus. And eventually, remember what I said when we started in God's word. If it's out of I want to be sent out by Jesus, I want to be sent to this area of ministry, I want to be sent to that part of our community to serve Jesus, but it's out of your own strength and your own desire, you will burn out, you will fizzle, it will fade. But if it's the empowerment of the Spirit You'll be passionate about it. You will be satisfied in it, and you will know that you're making an eternal significance. Let me give you an example. Every healthy church in North America has a growing preschool and children's ministry. Every healthy church, where they got five kids, 500, 5,000, like every healthy growing church, reaching the generations, has a growing and expanding preschool and children's ministry. So at every church in North America, they could make the announcement, we need more people to invest in the next generation. We need more people. Look at these cute kids. They might even put a picture on the screen. Look at what's happening in that room back there. Is that not awesome? Now, who loves Jesus and wants to get involved? And because we love Jesus and we know there's a need, we know there's a need, we volunteer. But that's not what we bring to the table. And we get, listen, the first, I've said this before, the first pastor I ever served under handed me a mop and a bucket and said, let's go clean the bathroom. I was like, that's so not what I want to do today. Thank goodness I was wearing my filter and kept my mouth shut. And we mopped. And he said, there's sometimes in the kingdom of God, you just do what's needed. You step up, and, 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 and that's not what you're passionate about, but you do. Okay, that, that happens for all of us. But oftentimes what happens is people serve. They get plugged in in preschool and children. They get plugged in because so, there's a need, and they volunteer. But you're not passionate about it, and you're not empowered by the Spirit to use your gift in that area. And so eventually you get burned out. You run out of juice, and you get tired of serving. You just slip out the back. Okay. And that's one of the worst mistakes the local church has made in North America throughout the generations. Grabbing somebody who's passionate about Jesus and plugging them into a spot they're not passionate about. We want to work to help you understand what it is you bring to the table spiritually and then help you utilize that in a way where you're passionate about it. We don't want to just plug a warm body into a need. Like, We're really praying through as a staff this shift and we're talking about it this shift from like needs-based recruiting people to gifts-based recruiting people. A shift from needs-based recruiting people, we need, we need, we need, we need volunteers, we need volunteers, to we have a growth opportunity and we want to plug in people who are passionate and know what they bring to the table so it's not drudgery, it's not obligation, but it comes out of the overflow of what God's doing and they feel as if they're making a difference in this area. That's what we're after. And by the way, the staff is beginning to scrub the word volunteer from our vocabulary. A volunteer fills the need and usually in the local church it is out of obligation because there's a need but not because there's a desire. We are trying to shift from volunteer to leader. Someone who knows what they bring to the table. They're excited about it and they know that the church values their contribution because it's exactly what they brought to the church it's what the church needs and we put those two things together paul and barnabas knew what they brought to the table and they utilized it and it brought them great joy that the lord was bringing people into the church through faith in jesus and advancing his mission in antioch and it made all the difference in the world for them to know it and then to utilize it now i want to tell you something in in the weeks months and years ahead There is the really good potential that the Lord entrusts us. He invites us to partner with him in some eternally significant things. He has given us a doorway into education, as we talked about in our community. There are numerous other things. As I look around the room, those of you who are passionate about health care, and whether it be volunteering with the medical dental unit or something else here at the church, whether it's serving with the medical dental unit, leading in that way, There are things and opportunities the Lord has opened up in the the area of education, poverty, health care. And we're going to need every man and woman in the church unleashed to join in that mission if we're going to accomplish what God's calling us to do. And so the church has to help. Church, staff, leadership has to help equip the saints, the followers of Jesus for that mission. I want to put another scripture on the screen from Ephesians 4. It's from Ephesians 4, and it's verses 11 and 12. Let me read this. And he himself, that's Jesus, he gave some people to be apostles. That means like we're all sent out, but some people like Paul, the apostle Paul, he gave some to be apostles. Some people have the unique calling of prophets. Some are evangelists, but we're all called to evangelism, to share faith. Some people are called to be pastors and teachers. And every one of those roles in the local church, in leadership, is there to equip the people, the saints, the followers of Jesus for work of the ministry, to build up the body of Christ until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of God's Son, growing into maturity with a stature measured by Christ's fullness. The Lord gives a spiritual gift to everyone. He calls people into the local church to then unleash the kingdom potential of the members, the men and women in that church, so that we will become unified, So that people will hear about our Jesus, find their place in his mission, and find satisfaction and fulfillment in a way they did not have apart from him or apart from his work. That's what Jesus is going to continue to call us to do. But if we're not ready, those opportunities will pass us by. If we're not ready for him, those opportunities will pass us by. So we need everybody knowing what you bring to the table, because I don't want anybody in this church to serve out of guilt or obligation or because right now I'm saying we've got to unleash the kingdom potential of every man and woman in this church. One day when I meet Jesus, I will answer for this. The staff will answer for this. And what I mean by that is we will be held accountable for whether or not we put the church members in a position to understand what they bring to the table and to serve in a way that is consistent with the mission that God has given to this church. That's a fact. And we want to be faithful to that. So if you don't know what you bring to the table, I want to help you with that. I want to put this slide up on the screen because on November the 11th and the 18th, there is a great opportunity to know and to find your place in the mission of God and to serve out of excitement and passion, not out of guilt or obligation. On Sunday, November 11th, we will be offering our Discover Us class. Our Discover Us class is a low-risk, high-relationship opportunity to get together so that you can hear who we are as a church. Just like Barnabas knew, These people need to understand who Jesus is and how that informs how we live in this world. I want you to know what we believe biblically, the doctrine, that's the underpinnings of how we operate as a church. I want you to know that. And if you've never been to this, I want you to connect and sign up. You can go to the welcome desk after the service. You can get online there at the church website, and you can say, I'm joining. I'm coming. I'm going to attend this meeting. But the second part of the Discover process is on Sunday, November 18th, we're going to talk to you about you. We're gonna to talk to you about you. We want you to discover what it is you bring to the table so that you can contribute to the mission in a meaningful way. This is one of the best ways that we avoid guilt and obligation and having a culture of volunteers or we do it just because we need to, but have a culture of leaders that serve because they're passionate about what God's done in their life and they want to contribute to his mission in this world through the local church so that he can be honored, people can be added to his church and that the church can be full of joy. So on Sunday, November 18th, is the Discover You class. Here's what I'm asking. If you do not know what your place is in this church, I want you to come on at least the 11th, but most definitely on the 18th. If you do not know what you bring to the table, I want you to sign up for the 18th and let us know you're coming. We want to help you figure out what that is so you can contribute in a meaningful way. Because of the growth opportunities we have, we're going to need everyone participating And us going and serving and leading, it honestly doesn't come out of a place, it shouldn't come out of a place of guilt or obligation. If Jesus never did another thing for me, if he didn't answer any of my prayers the way I want to, and I think some of my prayers he answers yes, no, or are you crazy? Okay, like I think this is how he answers some of them. But if he never answered another prayer for me, I owe him everything. I owe Jesus everything with my life. So the idea is for us to get to a place in our relationship with Jesus where we don't serve and just volunteer out of guilt and obligation, but we serve and we lead out of the overflow of knowing who he is and what he's done for us. And if you don't know what you bring to the table, it's going to be a problem, not only now but in the long term. Whether the Lord scatters you to a different city in North America and you look for a church there, if you don't know what you bring to the table, you're going to run into the same thing there. So take a next meaningful step with identifying your spiritual gift. And by the way, spiritual gifts are used inside the church when we're gathered and also when we're scattered. Let me just say that. There are some people who will serve in preschool and children. There are some people who will serve as greeters and ushers and parking lot. And there will some people who will serve musically, and they will use their teaching for Bible studies that meet in this very room. But everyone has a spiritual gift. So whether it's inside the church or in the community, you need to unleash that spiritual gift. Everybody plays a part. in the places where you live, where you work, and where you play, you need to be using it because that's where the good stuff is and that's where the joy of following Jesus and knowing He's at work in your life happens. And if you ever meet somebody and you get to know them and you watch them come to faith in Christ, like there is no other joy on this planet like knowing that you saw somebody cross from death to life. You watch somebody go from despair to hope. You watch somebody go from brokenness to healing. You watch somebody go from desperation to peace that can only be found in Christ. My prayer is that the Lord will give us thousands of those opportunities. But it won't happen if we're not ready when he invites us to join him in that mission. So we want you to know your gift and find a way to lead with that gift. Because the Lord is doing something in our community. And he wants us to join him in that. So would you pray with me for just a moment?